Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. An appropriate jam to bring us back on this Saturday, October 22nd, 2022. Kicking off the 10 o'clock hour here in the DMV. Hope everybody's doing well today. 106.7 The Fan is on your AM, FM dial. We're on the Odyssey app and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in today. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I'm Danny Noakes. Caitlin is producing the show. 800-636-1067. The MGM National Harbor listener line will open that back up here in a moment. But right now, we go over to the phones in the BetQL guest line to welcome in our first guest of today's show. So give a warm welcome to my pal, RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. You can find him on Twitter, at R underscore J underscore Anderson. RJ, thanks for the time this morning on an MLB playoff Saturday, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. And I know that the the playoffs this year for the Nats fans, it can't be very fun because it, it started with three division rivals getting in. One is still standing, and so are two of the best players in the Nationals franchise's history in Juan Soto and Bryce Harper. Not to mention the Astros are two games from returning to the World Series again, and everybody outside of Houston hates the Astros. So uh, it's been an interesting playoff so far, partner. <laughs> yeah, and... You know, you can't forget the Max Scherzer was part of the opening round, and you've got yep. some other national sprinkled throughout. You know, Josh Bell's still going, although I don't think he's quite held in that reverence with, you know, some of the other names. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting postseason. This is our first expanded postseason outside of the 2020 edition, which was, you know, more because of the pandemic. And, you know, I think it's been fascinating to see how the two sides have worked themselves out, where in the AL, you have the two heavy favorites, the two teams that, like you said, everyone seems to hate outside of their markets. And in the NL, you have these two newcomers who were not expecting to be here and who are pretty fun. I think that whichever NL team wins the pennant is going to be kind of a national favorite uh, because of what you said with the AL teams. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. That's the same sentiment that I felt. Whoever wins the, the NLCS is probably going to come in as the favorite to the World Series. But you mentioned Josh Bell, RJ, and, and for the Padres, he's had some big hits in the postseason, a couple of home runs. He had one back in Game 2, but Game 3 was last night, and Philadelphia jumped out to a one nothing lead. They got a leadoff bomb in the bottom half of the first from Kyle Schwarber, another former national, by the way. That's going to that's gonna be a theme here throughout this segment. But 4-2, to Philadelphia with another really impressive win. Gene Segura coming through with a really big hit when that game was tied 1-1. to The Phillies, RJ, might look like a team of destiny right now. They're playing some really good baseball. 
Yeah, and you know, there have been some similarities between them and the 2019 Nationals yeah. just in terms of, okay, here's a strong rotation, here's a lineup with a lot of recognizable names They kind of underperform during the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see what they can do in October. And I really have to tip my cap to Rob Thompson, who was their interim manager. He received a new contract recently, so he's going to be their skipper from now on because, you know, he was very aggressive with his bullpen last night. I know that when he removed Suarez, I was even kind of questioning whether that was the right call or not. You know, with the Dominguez for two innings, and you know what? It worked out beautifully. Now they're two wins away from the World Series. They don't have to win another road game to reach that point, and that's always a good feeling to have, I feel like, this time of year. We'll look at the pitching matchup between these two teams for their game today a little bit later on here in this segment, RJ. I I first want to talk to you about Juan Soto and and his performance so far for San Diego. I know at the end of the regular season, he was kind of starting to find his rhythm, but after he got traded there to the Padres, I think he struggled a little bit trying to probably acclimate himself and, and just adjust to life out there in California. And when you've been playing your entire career with one team here in D.C., the Washington Nationals, that's going to be a big adjustment for anybody. Still in the playoffs, just hitting 182. Did go one for three last night, scored a run, had to strike out. What do you make of what Juan Soto has done and and what he means for this San Diego Padres batting order? Yeah, I thought his performance during the regular season caught too much grief because if you look at the numbers, I mean, he had a 130 OPS plus with the Padres. And the reference, that would have been the second highest mark on the Rays. It would have been, you know, the one of the top marks on a couple other playoff teams. So I thought people gave him a little too much grief for that. But, you know, he's had a rough series defensively. You know, he saw a diving attempt last night. He lost the ball in the sun a few days ago. He's not a great defender. I think we all knew that. And it's kind of funny that he's a finalist for the Gold Glove Award because uh, I, I guess it goes back to that old saying. You know, there's this old saying, oh, so-and-so didn't hit enough to win a Gold Glove. And I think maybe he hit well enough to win a Gold Glove is what they were thinking of that one. But I think he might be a little too passive. You know, he, he's always looking to take his walks, and that's great. But I think the Padres would probably like to see him turn on some of these pitches that are drivable that he's letting go right now. Yeah, and against this Philadelphia pitching rotation, that's not anything that's been particularly easy because the, the Padres' offense has been mostly limited so far in this NLCS. But maybe that changes here today in this matchup, or rather tonight when the Padres and Phillies get together for Game 4. We're talking with R.J. Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage right now on the BetQL guest hotline. Find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. So the matchup today on the mound, R.J., between the Padres and the Phillies, Mike Clevenger for San Diego, Bailey Falter for Philadelphia. And obviously the Phillies with a 2-1 series lead this game in Philadelphia, 745 first pitch. What are your expectations for this one? How do the Padres get even? Do you think it happens? Because right now, as I said, Phillies look like a team of destiny. They're playing with a lot of momentum. Yeah, I think there's a fair chance to go in to win this one. You know, Bailey Folder had a solid season for Philadelphia. Uh, unfortunate surname aside for a pitcher. But at the same time, I think the Phillies are probably going to do a piggyback situation here or maybe Falter faces nine batters or mm-hmm. goes a little pass one time through the order, then you bring in another pitcher. and You know, they don't have their best arm available tonight. I'm assuming Dominguez is not available tonight because we're working with a, a compacted schedule because of the lockout. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Padres probably do have the advantage there in the starting pitching matchup, even though Mike Clevenger is in the way he used to be, and also because the bullpen game, you know, you only have so many strong arms remaining down there. So we'll see. I mean, anything can happen in one game. But if I were guessing, we'll probably head in tomorrow with an even series. So there you go. 
Padres Phillies tonight, 745 first pitch. That's the National League Championship Series. Now, RJ, if we kick it over to the American League Championship Series, Houston has jumped out to a two-game lead over the New York Yankees and most recently a 3-2 to win for Houston against the Yankees. Severino getting the loss there for the pinstripes. What have been your main takeaways from this series? You know, Jose Altuve has, has been surprisingly and completely quiet here this postseason. So the Astros are getting offensive production from other guys. Yeah, and it you know, speaks to the depth of that lineup, right? That mm-hmm. Altuve can be not only a, a zero this postseason, but a negative. You know, he's uh, made a throwing mistake as well in addition to lackluster offensive play. But, you know, um, if it weren't for the cheating scandal a few years back, I think we'd all be talking up about how the Astros have really done an incredible job of replacing superstars like Carlos Correa and George Springer and Garrett Cole. You know, they have these names they just plug in who are not well-known names. You know, I knew about Jeremy Pena, but did the average fan know about him? Probably not. Probably not you know, yeah. does the average fan know about Christian Javier, who will be starting the game for him tonight? Probably not. You know, you can just keep rattling off these names and you know, it's a credit to them, their development staff, their scouting staff, their analytics staff. Just, you know, really, if it were not for that cheating scandal, I think you would see more talk about how the Astros have been a really good organization, maybe even a great organization, you know, for the last decade. Maybe not on the par of the Dodgers, just because, you know, they don't have a cheating scandal attached to them, but, you know, right up there with them. Yeah, and, and you know, Houston obviously has the World Series from 2017. It, it may be tainted, but they sure have been good o- over the last five or so years, RJ. And you mentioned Christian Javier, the starter tonight for Houston. Well, it's Garrett Cole getting the start for the New York Yankees, obviously, as you also mentioned, a former Houston Astro and, and yeah. one of the guys that was on the mound when the Nationals played the Astros in the World Series back in 2019. But the Astros have been back to the World Series since then, yeah. believe it or not, right? So, you know, this this matchup between Javier Cole, the Yankees, and the Astros tonight, for the Yankees, they really can't fall behind three games to none. Obviously, it has been done before to come back from a three-game-to-none deficit, but it's very unlikely. So they they need the bats to come alive, and they need Cole to be top tier Garrett Cole tonight. Yeah, and to Cole's credit, you know, he came out last series and was facing an elimination elimination situation, and he shoved. So we'll see if he can do it against his old team tonight. Uh, they'll buy up really need to get going though. I think last time I looked, they had like thirty strikeouts and sixty something at bats, mm-hmm. four walks. I mean, look, <laughs> unless you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark when you do make contact, that's just not going to work. And on the other side of things, I mean, that Houston lineup is so good, not only hitting for power, but amazing contact. And that's a heck of a combination. I think, I think they have like eight walks or seven walks and eight strikeouts this series. So it just goes to show, you know, in terms of the contact balance, or excuse me, in terms of contact, there's an imbalance between the teams. And, you know, the Yankees need to achieve a better equilibrium if they're going to play beyond maybe game four or game five at this rate. Yeah, and it, right now, like you said, it, it's we're steamrolling towards an Astros-Phillies World Series, and, and the Padres-Phillies series over there in the National League, very competitive, a little bit more competitive than what we've seen in the American League so far, but that's why baseball is such a great sport. These series can turn around very quickly, and we'll see what happens between these two games, these two series today. 5.07 first pitch for the Yankees and the Astros no. on TBS, and then 7.45 for the Padres and the Phillies. RJ, appreciate your time on a playoff Saturday, my friend. Enjoy the games today, and we will catch up with you again very soon. Yep, thank you for having me. You got it.
Always a pleasure, my friend. There he goes. That's RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. Great insight and analysis, as always. You can find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. Love some playoff baseball. I got to say, though, and I mentioned at the top of this segment talking with RJ, it's tough as a Nationals fan to watch this all unfold right now, isn't it? Because, one, you got a division rival. It's never fun to watch a division rival. wasn't fun to watch the Braves last year, but the Braves are at least a little bit more tolerable than the Phillies are, right? The Phillies and their fans, they've earned all the criticism that they get. But the Padres, too, with two former Nationals trying to get to the World Series, and, and, and we'll have a shot to do that. They're... I think playing more competitively than the Yankees are right now. And it looks like the Astros might be making back-to-back World Series appearances, which RJ mentioned losing Correa, losing Springer, and losing Cole a couple of years ago. You wouldn't think that they would have been able to win 106 games this year and, and make back-to-back World Series appearances, but but that's what it's looking like is going to happen. They're at least in the ALCS right now with the two games to none lead and a chance to make it three if they're able to beat the Yankees again in New York as the series shifts to the Big Apple tonight. All right, let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We've got more to get into. Thanks again to RJ. We'll be right back. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Big thank you again to RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. Fun segment with RJ talking a little playoff baseball just a few minutes ago. If you missed it, well, good thing we've got the rewind function. You can use the app or head to the website, thefandc.com, and just rewind about 5 to 10 minutes, maybe 15 if you want to catch the very beginning of our chat with RJ Anderson. Great stuff. Coming up at 11, we will talk to Linnell Willingham of our sister station, the Team 980. You can also, of course, hear him right here on 106.7 The Fan from time to time as well. We'll definitely talk Commanders with Linnell, but we're also going to talk a little Wizards, and I'm really glad to talk some basketball with Linnell. He was at the game last night, as far as I know. Saw on his IG story, had some pretty good seats to see the Wizards get their second win of the season and go 2-0 and with the victory over the Chicago Bulls. So you have that to look forward to at 11 o'clock. That'll kick off our final hour. I'm Danny Noakes. We're with you up until noon. Caitlin in studio producing the show. Let's get back to the National Football League as it is football season. Earlier this week, the NFL owners met and obviously, you all have been listening to this station probably for the last couple of days. There was a lot that came out of those NFL owners' meetings. And it was the Colts owner, Jim Irsay, who is very known for being vocal, opinionated, and maybe even a little bit reckless. Uh, he stepped out on a limb and said that there is indeed merit to removing Dan Snyder as owner of the Washington Commanders. And I say reckless. We're going to get to exactly why Jim Irsay has earned that label here in just a second. But I have particularly been critical of Jim Irsay for being so willing to step out into the public and talk to the media about Carson Wentz and really just sort of dancing on his grave. Irsay, obviously very vocal and was still talking about Carson Wentz well into this summer and really just dissing the way that he played and it wasn't good at the end of last season. We all know that. But, I mean, if you're an owner, to still be talking about a guy that's been gone for months from your franchise at that point, it, it just kind of sounds childish and petty. 
he's had a substance abuse problem in the recent past as well, or say a little bit of a loose cannon, right? He had a DUI back in 2014, but that might be exactly what the NFL and the commanders fans need to oust Dan Snyder as owner of the commanders, not the troubled past of Ursay rather, but the brash and opinionated nature in which he states those opinions. Ursay doesn't appear intimidated by the notion that Snyder may currently have and still be actively digging up dirt on the other NFL owners. We've heard reports really from both sides when it comes to that. Some owners may be a little bit concerned about it. Some owners may not be. We don't actually know if Dan Snyder has any dirt on the other owners. We're assuming that he does because there's probably dirt on every single NFL owner. Just considering how poorly the NFL has handled very public situations that involve sexual assault, domestic violence, on and on and on. They don't have a very good track record, do they? But you don't have to dig hard to find some not-so-good stuff with with Jim Ursay, right? But he doesn't really care about any of that, right? The Mary Jo White investigation into Washington's years of alleged workplace misconduct and financial improprieties, by the way, Mentioned the workplace misconduct, mentioned the cheerleading scandal. We mentioned a lot of stuff. I did not mention the financial improprieties under Snyder. They're all at the root of the issue, right? And Jim Irsay said as much. He stressed that the league potentially could have a majority vote from owners to unseat Dan Snyder. And by the way, Mary Jo White, former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and a former U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission chairwoman, she is who is probing the matter on behalf of the National Football League. Now, Ursay said that the vote to remove Snyder could come as early as the winter NFL owners meetings. These sort of things take a really long time. <clears throat> Excuse me, a really long time. I wouldn't expect anything to move when it comes to the Snyder situation until at least next year. I mean, when I say move, I mean there to be any actual legal proceedings that could change anything, right? I mean, the subpoena this summer, and I guess into the early part of the fall, was one thing, right? It, it, it was a subpoena that required Dan Snyder to testify under oath, but we all know that not a whole lot seems to have come out of that, even though that he was said to have been making... The, he, was, he was in court, or I guess he didn't actually go to court, but that lasted several hours, right? Now, a commander spokesperson responded to the Jim Irsay comments saying that they were inappropriate but not surprising, right? And that really confirms what I've been saying, Irsay, a polarizing character. But you've also had the commander's attorney doing the rounds this week on several different radio shows and other media hits. He's basically been saying that there's no merit to any of this and that the investigation into the team is unfair, and and we can get into all the details, get into the nitty-gritty of the legal proceedings here, but I don't think you Commanders fans care. It doesn't matter to you. I'm one of you, by the way, a lifelong fan. I want him gone. I'm sure all of you want him gone, with the exception of the team leaving D.C. Want him gone at any cost, with the exception of the team leaving the city. But it's my one obvious caveat, and I don't think that's in danger of happening anyway. But the reality is there's been more than enough to remove him as owner for years, a decade even. The workplace culture, the cheerleading scandal, the financial improprieties, it all should have been enough to remove him right there. It would have been enough to get anyone else in America that's not a billionaire fired from their job. But as we know on this planet, the more money you have, 
the more above the law that you are. 800-636-1067. That's the MGM National Harbor listener lines. That's where we go now, where Zach is calling in from Reston. Zach, what's going on this morning? How's everything going? Hey, good morning. Happy Saturday. So I was kind of unplugged over the last couple of days. Maybe this was already brought up many, many times. If it has, I'm, I'm, I apologize. But one thing that occurred to me, given the fact that Ursay came out and obviously the commanders, a.k.a. Snyder, are not very happy whatsoever, mm-hmm. with Carson's hand, right, like even if the hand of God came down and healed him within, you know, two weeks, we, we know that's not going to happen, but just go with my hypothetical hypothetical here there is no way that the commanders at this point are going to allow carson to get to that 70 percent threshold to give back what was it a second or a third carson's done there's no way there's no way the commanders because of what ursay said are going to allow the commanders to give back a pick to indy at this at this point just because of the spike game i don't see it yeah zach great call thanks for hitting us up i am in a hundred percent agreement and i actually like the additional insight there that that zach gave linking the fact that because ursay said this now the commanders are pretty much guaranteed to not play carson wentz and and allow him to get to that 70 percent threshold which we went over this in in the last show and and if anybody is not aware of what we're talking about here in carson wentz's contract when he was traded here if he played 70 percent of the team snaps this season the pick that wa- one of the picks that Washington gave up for to the Colts for Carson Wentz would change from a third round pick to a second round pick if he hits the 70% threshold. Now, when Carson Wentz went down, my first thought was, oh, now he's probably not going to hit the 70% anyway, considering he's going to miss at least four games, but probably closer to six, right? That was my original thinking, but I like where Zach's head at because. <laughs> Snyder's very petty. That's a very good point. And now, considering that the, the the two owners are, you would think, quarreling after those comments, um, th- that that probably even became more unlikely that, that Carson Wentz hits that 70% uh, snap threshold. So that's a really good point. That's a really good point by Zach, who just called in. I, I think it, it was a debate before Carson's injury, and now it... it really isn't you know especially if taylor heineke comes in and wins at least two games i think if heineke wins at least two games there's not even a conversation to be had because sure we can look at the statistics and and carson went statistically may have have gotten out to a much quicker start than taylor heineke did last season or or any quarterback has here in dc probably since kirk cousins but that's not gonna matter because they're not winning that many games they're still two and four right now and even if the offensive line has struggled and in the first couple of games the defense was really bad, it's improved since then, there's not really a whole lot good that comes from playing Carson Wentz when he comes back from this injury at the point that the commanders are headed toward. And the last thing that I'll say, too, uh, about Snyder and to, this whole commanders thing, they say commander spokesperson, right? It's not the team. It's Dan. And, and that's that's what hurts me. It's whenever the team gets wrapped up into all of this, but it's one person that's responsible for, for everything that's going on, right? I had one of my friends text in our group message a couple of weeks ago talking about how he can't even root for the notion of Snyder being removed as owner anymore because it's just never going to happen. We've heard this discussion for years and years and years and years. It's supposed to be close. There's supposed to be fire where there's smoke billowing out of 
but nothing ever happens. So why would you root for that? And my response would be because he's the one common denominator for everything terrible that's happened to this franchise for the last 20, what, 20, bought the team in 1999, 23 years. That's a long time. We, we all know the failures and how many of them there are and how that would get any normal person at any normal job fired in half the time that it's taken to, to, to even get to this point for Snyder. But he's the one guy that's been there for all of it. He's been there for every single scandal. So if you think that bringing in a new head coach, you get rid of Ron, you get rid of Del Rio after the season is going to change anything, it's just going to revert back to the way that it was. Because at the end of the day, Dan Snyder is Jerry Jones's mini-me. And what does that mean? Well, it's certainly not the fact that Dan Snyder is as good a businessman as Jerry Jones, because that's definitely not true. But no, let's go back to the 90s, right? Why did Jerry Jones get rid of Jimmy Johnson? Because Jerry Jones wanted the credit for the Super Bowls that the Cowboys were winning. He was jealous. They couldn't get along. So Jimmy Johnson leaves, and Jerry Jones hasn't won a Super Bowl since. He can't not take credit for his team's success. And guess who's exactly like that? That's right. Mini-me, Dan Snyder, sitting next to his pop-pop in those owners' meetings, trying to be just like Jerry. Well, guess what? Jerry hasn't won anything since Jimmy Johnson put together a great team and took them to a lot of success. So Dan Snyder, as long as he's the owner, is going to continue to meddle, no matter who the head coach is. If he sees someone he wants, if he has an inkling of anything that he wants, he's going to do it. He's going to strong arm whoever he has to to get his way. And he's not a good owner. He doesn't know football. There's unbelievable heaping amounts of evidence of that. So as long as he is the owner, there will be no extended success because he doesn't know how to run a football team. So rooting for anything else is a waste of time. But it may not happen because the owners are just too scared to vote him out. 24 out of 32 is what you need to make this happen. But go get him, Mercy. Go get Snyder. Take him down. Get him out. No one's more sick of this than Commanders fans. We got a game against Green Bay on Sunday. 1 o'clock kickoff. 2-4 and four team. Season is not over yet, but it might be. With another couple of losses here the next couple of weeks, you go in with a backup quarterback, and the football game isn't the lead story. How often is that the case? It's pretty often here in D.C. You owners got to be fed up with this crap. He's costing you all sorts of money and lost revenue. He's made an already shady league look even worse. Enough is enough. Push him out. Speaking of owners, there's another owner in Washington, D.C., that actually does a pretty good job. He owns the hockey team, two basketball teams, and several other entities around the DMV. Yes, I'm talking about Ted Leonsis. His Wizards, a win last night. Caps play tonight, but that's not the team that we're going to be talking about in the next segment in reference to Ted Leonsis. So stick. We're saving a little college football discussion for the 11 o'clock hour. Planning to slot that in around, right around now, 11.30, 11.32, 10.37 right now here on the East Coast, 106.7. The fan, Danny Noakes, with you up until noon. We also have a big UFC event going on today, not tonight, today, UFC 280, pay-per-view, 
2 p.m. is when the main card starts. In fact, the prelims just started. 10.30, as a matter of fact. About that. A little UFC to get you going. And that is on top of the college game day, college football games that we got going on today. A little playoff baseball. How about some hockey? The Caps play tonight. NBA basketball. It's the month that is known as the sports equinox. Really, Thursday was the particular day that folks labeled the sports equinox as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball were all in action that night. All four major professional sports leagues in action on Thursday. October, I'll love it. More on that later. We're talking about ownership the commander's ownership specifically, Dan Snyder, how terrible he is at his job in the last segment, the allegations, the comments from Jim Irsay this week, all of it. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot for the commanders to have to overcome in addition to just not being a very good football team and trying and going and beating a former NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion and Aaron Rodgers this weekend and trying to do it at home in front of several former commanders, football team Redskins players. But I mentioned there is a competent owner here in Washington, D.C., and that's Ted Leonsis. Speaking of owners, and it's a little bit of exciting news here. How exciting? We don't know just yet, so take it with a grain of salt. Don't just run with it, but Ted Leonsis and the group that he is a part of are said to be the front runner to buy the Washington Nationals, according to a report from The Athletic. Now, if the purchase is completed... Ted would obviously become the second person to currently own sports teams in three of the four primary men's American sports leagues. It's Stan Kroenke who owns the Rams, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche, who is the first. And that is quite a portfolio that Stan Kroenke has. I think it was maybe the opening game of the NFL season this year where the Rams were celebrating their Super Bowl and they were hosting the Buffalo Bills in a game that the Bills absolutely pummeled them in. And they showed Stan Kroenke on the screen. And I was watching the game with my girlfriend, Val, and she said, Stan Kroenke, how did he get his money? And I said, well, he owns several teams on top of uh, he actually also owns a a professional soccer team. Hang on, I can't remember which one it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now. But um, he <laughs> he's he's obviously very wealthy and has a lot of successful teams under his uh, under his belt. Yeah, it's Arsenal of the Premier League that that he is also a a part owner of. Arsenal, one of the most profitable football. Real football, not American football. Football teams in the world. So, yeah, Kroenke's got it going on when it comes to the money. But uh, anyway, I digress. This news with Leonsis potentially being the front runner to buy the Nationals is definitely encouraging on the fact that Leonsis is has just been a pretty successful owner for the Caps. And, and the Wizards, there, there's definitely been some questionable decisions that have been made giving Bradley Beal that big contract. A lot of fee- a lot of people believe that Beal should have been traded for some assets, particularly draft picks. You kind of reset the franchise. Guys like Porzingis would probably also be dealt. Uh, Kyle Kuzma as well. But that's, that's not the route that they're deciding to go right now. Now, this sale of the Washington Nationals likely will not be finalized until 2023 per The Athletic. And a key factor, this is going to shock you people, shock you people. A key factor complicating the matter 
is the current legal battle between the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, otherwise known as Masson, the Orioles, and the Nationals. In other words, the legal matter that just will not die. And the sides are arguing over media rights fees, which, while left unsettled, presents a hurdle in agreeing on an eventual sale price of the team. The Nats, or a representative for Leontes, did not offer a comment when they were asked about this by The Athletic, but what I can say is, and I don't remember which member of the DC media it was. I I apologize for that because they deserve credit for this. I don't even want to make any assumptions on who it was, but I know that there was a member, a respected member of the DC media, that did get Ted Leonsis for a quick interview a couple of, I guess it was maybe a, a week or so ago when the Capitals had their home opener. And he was asked basically point blank about whether or not he was still considering buying the Nationals. And and Ted, as you would have expected, said, can't really talk a whole lot about the details, but it is exciting and it is still in the cards, basically. It's it's still potentially going to happen, right? And And that's basically all that he said without really saying anything. Uh, but that is still encouraging. So if you're not aware, and this is something that I've talked about on my shows ad nauseum for several years now at this point, but the Orioles own about three-fourths of Masson, right? The Nationals own the rest, and the conflict centers around revenue sharing. Leontis reportedly previously had expressed interest in buying the Orioles at a previous time, And we all know that they're owned by the Angelos family and not currently up for sale. The Learners bought the Nats in 2006 for $450 million. The price tag is going to be much higher to buy the Nationals this time around. Now, what's interesting to me here is the idea that, and you would have to assume that this is the direction it would go, the Capitals, the Wizards, the Mystics, and the Nationals could all be playing on NBC Sports Washington at some point. And let me just say that I am so here for that. Because NBC Sports Washington is superior to Masson in literally every way. I cannot stand Masson. I love the Nats. I love the Nats broadcast team. Love Bob. Love Fronson. Love Masson Dan. But did you guys watch the Nats games this season? Or even towards the end of last season? Or really just at any point over the 17 years that they've been here in D.C.? Because Masson runs the same five commercials during every break. The production value on those ads is horrible as well, by the way. They can barely use any highlights in these ads to promote their team because they traded away all of their good players and any player that creates a highlight. It's it's actually hilarious because they've only got highlights right now of Victor Robles. And obviously Robles isn't very good anywhere except on defense. Credit to him. He is a gold glove finalist this year. But they've barely got any highlights of Robles either. So we just need to get out from under the foot of the Angelos family and Masson. It's not doing the Nats any good at all. It never has. You have to assume that Leontes wants to bring the Nationals over to NBC Sports Washington, right? Because NBC Sports Washington is owned by Monumental Sports Entertainment, which is Leontes' company that owns the Caps, the Wizards, the Mystics, blah, blah, blah. But it is interesting, man. How crazy would it be if the Nats and the Commanders were sold within a year or even really a couple of years of each other? The Nationals and the Commanders, the baseball and the football team here in D.C., that would be wild. Now, one thing is absolutely 100% true, and I'll say this and then we'll get to a break. If Ted Leonsis owned the Nationals 
Juan Soto would not have walked out that door earlier this year in a trade. Not saying that Soto would not have eventually walked out the door in the future. But I can guarantee you that Leonsis would have thrown any size contract at Soto that he wanted. Would that have been a good idea? Maybe not. Maybe not. Especially now that we have to see how this all shakes out with the Nationals in fact trading Soto away and acquiring a litany of prospects. Some of which we've already seen and some of which are producing and getting better. But Ted doesn't let his guys go. He doesn't let guys that he has drafted leave D.C. See Alex Ovechkin. See Nicholas Backstrom. See Evgeny Kuznetsov. And this is even sometimes to a fault. It happened with Bradley Beal multiple times now. Before the last big contract they gave Bradley Beal, there was discussion of whether or not he needs to be traded. But Ted didn't want to give him up. Wants his guys here in D.C. I respect that, even if it is to a fault. Can have that conversation too, though. A lot of folks think that the Wizards need to do a hard reset, trade everybody, and start over. Mentioned that already. You could make the case. The NBA is weird, though. You need one, two, if not three all-stars to go in and win a championship now, it seems. That, that, sh- that might be shifting because, you know, the, the Warriors are obviously your defending champions, but the, the Celtics are a team. Yeah, Tatum, really good. Jalen Brown, really good, but they're not Kevin Durant good. They're not LeBron good. They're not Giannis or AD good. They're still elite, don't get me wrong, but the Celtics are more built around several players than as opposed to one, two, or even three. So we'll see what happens. Just got to keep eyes and ears peeled. Ted could be the next owner of the Nationals, but there's a a lot of legal things that got to happen, a lot of jockeying, maneuvering, and the financials have to work out for everybody. So we're just going to have to see. Coming up next, we mentioned the sports equinox. It continues this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Huge schedule of games. We got a lot of college football today. We'll jump into that next. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Final segment, 10 o'clock hour, Sports Radio 1067, The Fan. Danny Noakes with you up until noon today. Caitlin in studio producing the show. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Only going to be here for a couple of minutes. We got a shorter segment to close out the 10 o'clock hour. One hour to go when we kick everything off at 11 and we will do that with our pal Linnell Willingham. Stay tuned for that coming up next. Linnell from our sister station, the Team 980, and of course you can hear him right here on 106.7 The Fan from time to time as well. We're talking Wizards. We're talking Commanders with Linnell. He was in attendance for the Wizards win over the Chicago Bulls last night, 102-100. So I'm interested to get his thoughts on what he saw. Bradley Beal, very efficient had the game-winning bucket off the glass with just a few seconds left on the clock. DeMar DeRozan, final shot to give Chicago the win, rimmed out. And so it's a 2-0 start for the Wiz. And speaking of NBA, it was added into the sports mix this week along with several other sports that were already ongoing. And Thursday night, dubbed the Sports Equinox, To me, it further cements October as the best month of the sports calendar year. Already mentioned Thursday being the night that both, or not both, all of Major League Baseball, NBA, the NHL, and the NFL 
were all in action. Not to mention you also had a Power 5 college football game going on Thursday night, even if it was between a couple of very bad teams, UVA and Georgia Tech. Sorry, Wahoos fans. You guys just as bad as Virginia Tech this year, despite the fact that you guys are returning a starting quarterback. Uh, UVA did get the win, though, over Georgia Tech. They needed that on the road in Atlanta. So there you go. But the sports equinox, it's fun. And I think it continues this weekend because we have a very similar outlook today, just no NFL games. But instead of having a full slate of NFL, which we'll get tomorrow, we add a great UFC event that makes up for that somewhat. Now, the UFC event we're going to talk to at the bottom of the 11 o'clock hour. I've got some thoughts on it. It's a big event. There's two title fights along with a pretty good main card. And the prelims have already started, by the way. So uh, get on over to I I don't I, I imagine they're airing on ESPN two or ESPN plus because there's no way it's going to air over top of college game day. Uh, so I'm actually not sure where the prelims are airing right now, but you're going to have to buy the main card. It is a pay-per-view event, UFC 280. So you got that. But again, October to me, best month of sports calendar year. I don't think there's a debate. It's October and it's not really close. I will listen to March and April, right? March Madness is amazing. I'm not selling that short. April's great too because you've got the national championship game to conclude March Madness, and we've got some good national championship games recently. But you've also got the Masters in April. Baseball generally starts up in April. It's been starting in late March more recently. But I know a lot of people don't even care about golf, so the Masters is really an irrelevant or moot point here. I love the Masters. I tend to try and find some sort of event to do around the Masters every single year. I I love watching golf, particularly the, the majors, as, as most people stick to when it comes to viewing golf on TV, but that's why I think October is the month that, that, that trounces them all. I mean, how do you beat October in the national football league is, is obviously a very important month. It's still early in the NFL season, but it's the point in the year where you start to really weed out the pretenders and the, the real teams that are going to compete for, for a Super Bowl at the end of the season. November and December, obviously even more important from that standpoint, but October is, is when you start to feel the pressure and the heat of some of these games. It's, it's no longer considered, even though it's still in the first half of the NFL season, you're expected to be in midseason form when October rolls around. So NFL football this time of year, already great. Same with college football, similar sentiments. You're no longer in the first month of the season. The college football season is, is much shorter, too, with only 12 regular season games, 13 if you play in a conference championship game. So most college football teams already are halfway done with their season, if not more. They've played six or seven games. And again, you're only going to play 12 in the regular season. So the college football season is already flying by. The Black Friday and, and Thanksgiving weekend is, is generally the last full weekend of college football Every single year. There is a weekend in early December where you have Army and Navy play, uh, but most of the Power Five teams, the teams that you and I are familiar with, are playing only through that last weekend in November, Thanksgiving weekend. So today, it's college football, it's NBA, it's NHL, it's Major League Baseball playoffs, 
and it's UFC 280. It should be fun. Coming up next, we talk some Wizards and Commanders with Linnell Willingham at the Team 980 and here on 106.7 The Fan. So stick around. We'll come back with the 11 o'clock hour. It's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.